Ronananian. The amount of technology that's out there really constitutes the need for the person doing the repair to know what he's doing or what she is doing. Please control yourself. We are not on a race course. The car doctor. My son goes to school in Wisconsin. I kind of insist on a 020 or something like that when he's out there with that. Right. I will say this. Extreme temperatures push all kinds of cars, regardless of manufacturer, to the extreme. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. There's always new ways to use technology to diagnose technology. We had a 2006 Nissan Frontier Nismo, which is their fancy pickup truck, uh, mid-2000s, uh, 2006 it was, come into the shop with a low-power complaint. Let me tell you, when, this, when I say low-power, this thing wouldn't pull a fat guy off a bicycle going backwards uphill. It just, it had no get-up-and-go, and it just sat there, and it just became like, wow, where is this? And I drove it, and I said, this car's got a clogged cat. How can I prove it? How can I prove it quickly? A little bit of history on it. I knew the customer. Had, I had talked to the customer and I, in my pre-diagnosis interview, always an important part of it, right, when you're trying to do the research beforehand. He said that he had a P0420 cat efficiency code about six, seven months ago. Didn't really pay attention to it. Oh, I can get away without it, you know, and uh, it kind of didn't work. And, you know, here he is now. And I just, you know, that cat crumbled is what I said. But how do I prove it quickly on an older car with 150,000 or so miles? You know, how do I get to the root cause of that diagnosis? Technology. Launch makes a launchtechusa.com makes a thermal imager. Thermal image technology is not it's not something new. It's it's not even new to auto repair. It's been around a couple of years now. And there's a lot of cameras on the market and we've been we've been road testing the Launch Tech USA version of it for a while now. And the one thing I like about it is it gives you the ability to very precisely pinpoint within, oh, an area the size of the head of a pin, exact temperatures. And I sat there and I thought about the tools in the arsenal in the shop, and I said, I bet I can take the thermal imager, let the car run, and look at the heat difference or lack of in the exhaust system. And I was right. Ta-da. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was kind of neat, right? The, the, the right side uh, exhaust pipe started out at about 400 degrees, neck down, neck down, neck down, neck down. And by the time it got to the clogged part of the cat, it was 100 degrees right on the other side of the clog. Whereas the other side of the exhaust system started out at uh, 500 degrees and was dissipated slowly down. And it got down to about 350 by the time it joined the other cat at the white pipe connection. We actually shot a video of it. And we're going to get it up on Facebook sometime this week. It's a two-part uh, interview, a two-part video, because we had some, you know, I had to shut it off, gut the cat. I wanted you to see everything as it happened, so I don't want to, you know, do a time delay. So we'll we'll get that up on Facebook. But it was really kind of neat the way thermal imaging sat there and went bang, and it was so cold that cat was so cold I could lay my hand on the right side cat and not feel any pain at all, but the left side cat was 
really hot to the touch, obviously. So um, just, you know, how fast and how well can you use technology? Sometimes you got to use it, and it's it's to your advantage if you stop and you think about it. Approach every diagnosis with a little bit of research, and research is all part of that repair. It's something to think about. Um, let's get over to the phones. The phones are crazy right now. Let's go over to Rob in Delaware, 70 Mustang, and some questions about emissions. Rob, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's going on? Question I have, I recently restored a 70 Mustang Fastback with a 302 uh, two-barrel carburetor. Okay. Basically, um, sent the block out, had all the machine work done, overhauled the uh, engine myself. When I went through emissions in the state of Delaware, on my hydrocarbons, my limit is 900. My readings were 75. Okay. On the COs, my limit's nine, and I went through at a point point four. Okay. Your question. My question is: is I've got quite a few Mustang Fox bodies and 07 Mustang. I can't get those cars to go through emissions, even getting close to those numbers, even with cats and you know all the emissions. The 70 has nothing on it. And I'm wondering, when I adjusted the carburetor, could I be a little lean and just yeah. fatten it up? Yeah, it does sound it does sound a little to the lean side. That's that's number one. You know, if you were using a, uh-huh. if you were doing a five gas emissions test, they would also give you air fuel ratio, um, or you right. could, you could look at lambda as a as a as a calculation of, of fuel enrichment or lack of. And I would def- uh-huh. I would definitely fatten that up a little bit. But the question, okay. I think the question you're also asking me is, is why is a 70, why does a 70 vehicle appear to be cleaner than a 2007, right? Please. Yeah. Um, and and my, my first thought is, is it? Are you doing a tailpipe test on that 07 in Delaware? Um, on the 70 or the 07? The 07. Yeah, they do the tailpipe. They do tailpipe, not OBD2. Yes, tailpipe. Tailpipe. Okay. And what are your limits for what are your what are your limits for an O seven? They're like two twenty. All right. And what are you going through at? I'm going through about one uh one fifty. It's a supercharged motor, which I don't think that has a whole lot to do with it. Right. No, I don't think so either. Not not I, not as an they're doing an idle test, correct? They're not this isn't a loaded dyno exactly. test. Exactly. This is an idle yes, test. Yes, idle right. test. You know, it, and I mean, there's a hundred questions here, Rob. You know, is the engine warmed up? Are the cats working at peak efficiency? How many miles are on the car? What sort of oil change maintenance has the car had? What sort of, you know, fuel system cleaning has that vehicle had? You got to remember, you're looking at a fresh motor in the 70, and how many miles are yeah. on the 07? Um, I've got about 32,000. Okay. So it's a car that's not driven a whole lot. So yeah, exactly. It right, it's a lot. It's right, well maintained. Yeah. Um. You ever do ever do a fuel system cleaning to it? Ever do you know a carbon cleaning type of maintenance? I'm sorry, what's that? Have you ever done a carbon cleaning to it? You know, fuel system maintenance. Um. No. Basically, I just run um, additives to it to um, you know keep the uh, the gas fresh. Right. Things like that. Okay. You may see. You might see a difference, and you know, there's a. I always tell everybody fuel additives are great. Fuel additives are kind of like that, 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 that vitamin B shot that we get every now and again, but they, uh-huh. they, they don't replace a, a formal cleaning. 
All right, they're a supplement. They're an, they're they're an additive. All right. Right. So if you were to go through and do a fuel system cleaning from any one of the various kits that are out there, um, you know you might see a difference in the way that vehicle runs. You might see a difference in idle quality. Do you have a Do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts nearby? Some place you can go down and look at the different um, fuel system cleaners out on the marketplace today. They are actually not in my area. We're basically more um, advanced auto. Okay. Auto. Go see if you can find. Um, go take a look at the stuff from Berryman, all right? Or you can find them online. Uh-huh. We, we, matter of fact, we've been using their kits in the shop quite a bit lately. If you go out to BerrymanProducts.com, you'll see what they've got, what they're talking about. And their method of fuel system cleaning is really kind of painless. And we've seen some very good positive results. And there's, a, there's an annual maintenance that can be done by the do-it-yourselfer without a lot of pain. And you'll see some differences in the way that vehicle operates, much less you may also see differences in fuel economy as well. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with either Mustang. I just think we're comparing a fresh motor to a 32,000-mile, 14-year-old motor that's probably got some carbon deposit issues. And, you know, I also think you've got that 70 Mustang running a little on the lean side. All right, because keep, so it, keep it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd fatten it up a little bit because keep in mind you're looking at numbers on the 07 after the cat. All right. right, that cat's working. That cat's doing its job. It's probably a little tired too. A Berryman fuel system cleaning will likely uncoat the cat if it's got any carnet deposits on it and help it work more efficiently too. But you've always got to compare. You, you know, you've always got to compare apples to apples, right? You've got to compare before the cat on the 07, before the cat on the O on the 70, which doesn't have a cat. So how would you do that? Sure. All right. The 70 right. sounds lean. I'd probably bring that up to, uh, I'd look at CO and bring CO up around probably 2%, 2.5%, see where that sits, and uh, see how it runs, and then kind of work my way backwards from there. All right, sir? Okay, great. All right. Very good. You're very welcome. You have yourself a good well, rest of the day. Thank you for all your help. You're welcome. Glad to be here for you. 855-560-9900. Ron and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Let's get over to Terry in Tennessee, O2 Buick Century. Terry, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Oh, Ron. Thanks yes, for taking my call. You're welcome. My pleasure. Uh, I, my daughter has a 2002 Buick Century Custom uh, with a 3.1 liter. Right. And the problem we're having is uh, she lives in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, she works like a, a 1.2 miles uh, from where she lives. And about every month, or a little over every month, the battery goes dead in her car. Okay. Okay, I've, I've checked the, the alternator. It's charging fine. Um, I've checked uh, for uh, parasitic draws. And I, I couldn't find any. Uh, my theory is, and I'm just curious as to what you thought, uh, is that she's pulling more out of the battery than she's putting back in it. Well, well, that's obvious, and I agree with that statement. The question is why. When you when you did the milliamp draw test, Terry, what what sort of readings did you get? It's like a point zero two, maybe. Okay. So it sounds like you're trying to tell me 20 milliamps. Yes. yes. All right. So 
Did you leave it on there for any length of time? I left it on for six, maybe six and a half hours. Okay, so you did it. You did it over. And did you have the meter set to min max so it would record high and low? Yes. All right. Yes. And you never saw it go above. No. All right. No. You, you don't. You don't happen to. Well, I don't think a thermal imager would. I've got thermal imaging on the brain right now, but I don't think a thermal imager would help you. Um, not if you don't have the draw that goes with it. How old's the battery? Well, I've I, uh, I've tried two. I got a, a brand new one, um, a Napa Legend battery, and then I try to also try to Interstate, which is actually one that came in the car. Right. And, and they both they they're both doing doing pretty much the same. Uh, you can get a little over a month out of the battery with her, you know, with with her her driving the car. But after that, I mean, she calls me and says, you know, it's it's dead. Right. Uh, you know, the dome light, the dome light, the door chime, none of that stuff will. Okay. Does she have any add-on accessories in the car, or, or you know, she have any like a tape player or anything, or anything plugged into any cigarette lighters, power outlets, no. nothing. Right. No, no. Straight and clean. Okay. Yes. So, you know, we're, if, if, if let's go on the belief, and I'm not sure that it's a fair statement yet, but let's go on the belief that there really is no drain. Okay. okay. Um, one of the things I would do if it were at the shop, because I don't know if it's waking up at random, you know, that's the problem. You know, if the car, right. if the car wakes up at random, then you know it could it could it could start a drain and then go away all on its own. She parked the car inside a garage or outside? Does it sit outdoors? Uh, no, it, it's inside a parking garage. Okay. So one of the things I might do if I were if I had the option. See, the key is that it takes a month. That's that's really kind of interesting. I've never, I've never seen. Just speaking from experience, I've never seen a parasitic drain take a month. All right, it, you know, usually the conversation is, "Hey, once a week, I'm jump starting the car, or every three or four days, I'm jump starting the car," that type of thing. So yeah. I've got to think from what you're saying, what we're talking about, we probably don't have a drain. So now, do we have a charging system issue, or is she just not driving it enough? And maybe, maybe that really is the problem. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't know how how far you have to actually uh, daily drive a car to keep the battery at, uh, you know, where it's supposed to be the levels. But she's driving 1.2 miles to work and 1.2 miles back back right. home. And does the car does the, the driving she does does the car sit at, when it's at work? Is it sitting outside in the in in, in the outdoors? Yes. Okay. So let's try this. You want to try an experiment? Spend a little money. We'll try an experiment. Okay. Get out on Amazon, or I've seen them in a bunch of different places. Have you ever seen those solar chargers? Yes. The trickle chargers? Yes. Here's where I, here's where I would use one. I'd get one. I'd leave it on the dashboard, show her where the OBD2 plug is, all right, because uh, this, okay. this is an 05, this is an 02. It'll have OBD2, and we should be able to plug in the OBD2 plug as a memory saver or as a trickle charger, and it should be charging the battery. And when she parks the car, plug it in, and let's try that for a month and see if that keeps the battery up to speed. Okay. All right. Yeah, can I ask you a question yeah. about the solar chargers? Though? Sure, yeah. Does, 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 
I had thought about that, but I didn't think it would it would do any good. It would put enough back in the battery in the time limit, and also you can you can buy the different wattages. Well, uh, I would buy the highest wattage I could reasonably afford and fit on the dash. We don't want to make her a solar collector, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and then to answer the first part, would it put enough back in? I've got friends that are using those on some of the newer, you know, nicer cars that are, you know, outside in the sun, and they're not having an issue. They're actually trickle-charging the battery, and, okay. and, and that's what they do. As a matter of fact, I first learned and got the idea about solar charging the, the, the newer cars doing this type of thing from a car carrier. He pointed out that a lot of the cars sitting on the docks when they come into the country right. have these solar chargers already installed. They're plugged into the OBD because they don't know if the cars are going to be sitting down there 30, 60, 90 days until they're called for by the manufacturer, the dealership, sold or whatever. So, you know, solar charging is a big deal. It's, it's, it's being used wide and far. And if it doesn't, then I've got to say to myself, okay, do we have, you know, do we have a problem with um, something else in the car? Let me ask you this before we do that. Can you swap cars with her? Um, possibly. She she lives she lives. Uh, um, I mean, um, I don't know. It's it's a little over an hour away from uh, from where I do. Right. And. Uh, <laughs> She's not. That's another problem. She's not big on on driving. Period. Right. And you know, I get uh, it. I, Listen, I don't I know don't, if I, I don't know if I'd want to swap my car with my kid's car either. I understand that. I have yeah. a hesitancy too as a father. Um, but I'm just thinking. You know, it's like let's let's change the parameters of the problem. Is 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 my is my issue, Terry? So if 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 we instead of solar charging, if we want to try swapping vehicles, if you can run that vehicle for a month. And not have an issue, then we know it's not lifestyle. We know that, or we know it's lifestyle, right? If, right? if it happens to you and you're driving the car on a regular basis, then we know that there's something wrong with the car. And then we'll have to get a little creative on how we're going to find that electrical draw, and um, uh, you know, kind of kind of take it from there. Think about it, chew on it. Let me know what you find for a solar charger. Give me a call back next week or. Coming back next week, we'll kick a few more ideas around. But uh, pleasure to talk to you, sir. Good luck to you and yours, and uh, Happy New Year. I'm Ron Annie, the car doctor. We're coming back right after this. Frank in New Mexico, don't go away. out running the car doctor by the way you really want somebody to call up right we want honesty so i've got a 2003 pile of junk and here's what i need for it you know instead of i got this really great car and it's <clears throat> so i kept it clean for air mikey let's go over and talk to frank in new mexico frank how are you today sir oh i'm trying to keep it honest great show as always ron thank you sir what's going on i got a question about uh what your previous conversation where you were discussing Disgusting, disgusting cleaning injectors. Now, uh, my little old 89 Nissan throttle body injector, it's real simple. I just spray the BG down in there, and it works great, plus right. the BG in the tank. But uh, do I need to get into the fuel rail or something on an 87 uh, Buick 
3.8 multi-port fuel? Yeah, because those, you know, the 87 Buicks, that generation of port fuel were the injector. If it has the original injectors in it, that was the, well, let's say that was the poster child for clogged injectors. All right, that's where it all started. That was that was the reasoning why. You know, General Motors back in the 80s, I guess back in the late 70s when they were developing port fuel injection, you know, the, the story goes that the reason that the issues with dirty injectors never showed up was General Motors would start the engine, run it for 100,000 miles, and shut it off. And the engine lasted 100,000 miles. The fuel system lasted 100,000 miles. It passed, it passed certification, whatever the mileage number was. The problem came about when Harry Homeowner bought the car, and he drove the car and shut it off, and drove the car and shut it off, and then went to work and shut it off. And, you know, sometimes it was short trips, sometimes it was long trips, and sometimes there was heat involved, and sometimes there wasn't. And over time, the gasoline would break down, and, and particulate was left in the rail, and it would start to build up in the injector, and it would clog and uh, by design. They did by the mid-90s, I believe. They started to come out with non-clogging or not-as-bad clogging injectors, so it wasn't as big an issue, but it's, it's still there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for what you're doing, you should really be in the rail cleaning it. Throttle body wasn't necessarily as affected as much because a throttle body is located up high in that aluminum body, that carburetor-style housing, away from the heat ex 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 exposure the way a, a port fuel injector would be down close to the cylinder head. So, you know, the line of thought process is, yeah, TBI, not so much port fuel or an individual injector. Yes, absolutely. Now, a newer vehicle, we get into, you know, 07s, 08s, 09s, and even newer, even a little bit older than that maybe, but on up newer, you know, cleaning the rail somehow doesn't seem to be as important. It doesn't seem to be as big an issue. You don't see the problems that you once saw, and a lot of that I attribute to they changed the style and the design of the injector. So, yeah, I mean, you should be on the rail on that on that 87. Uh, you know, I so think, i got to take it to a real mechanic. Yeah, now. I think you'd see, and they're probably going to go in either through the Schrader. They're going to take the Schrader out or do a Schrader service online, or they're going to disconnect the fuel inlet and return and just, you know, make a separate machine, uh, you know, to be the fuel system uh, for it temporarily and, and, and do the cleaning that way. Yeah, it's the original injectors in the car, and there's right. less than 22,000 miles. Last time I started it up, when I would get into it, it would it just would be kind of rough, you know. Right. Yeah, and that's, and that's part of what you'll see. You know, injectors make such a difference in the way an engine runs. You, you don't realize... <laughs> Uh, you know, dirty injector, a slightly dirty injector. And, uh, you know, back in the day when we did flow testing of injectors in the shop, they, they they came out with, we called them buzz boxes. It was just an electronic box. You'd plug into the injector. You'd take the injectors out of the rail, put a, um, I actually made a little beaker um, set up, uh, a two-by-four with some syringes with, you know, um, the measurements, the milliliter measurement on the side, and I actually put the four injectors right in there, hit the buzz box, a two-millisecond pulse, a five-millisecond pulse, so on, and look to see, do they all deliver equal amounts of fuel? And I, I forget the exact number. It's been so long what the spec was, but it was something like, you know, a, 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 a 0.5 milliliter difference um, made all the difference in the way the car ran. It, it was just, it's staggering how, how uneven the car would run from a, a partially clogged or restricted injector. So, you know, they were they were splitting hairs in the eye of the needle. I always think about that. So, 
Yeah, you okay. want to you want to clean it. All right, my friend. Okay, thank you, Ron. You're very welcome, Frank. Good to hear from you. So let's go over and talk to Mark in Tampa, 07 Nissan Sentra. Hey, Mark, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Yeah, hi, Ron. Hi. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, Thank you for all you do. Thank you, sir. Glad Um, to be here. This is a, uh, it's a callback. My 07 Sentra um, had a vibration uh, on the passenger seat when you get to about 45 to about 55 miles per hour. Okay. And it would just uh, vibrate under load. Right. Um, and it was quite noticeable. Uh, at the time, you, you mentioned uh, mounts and drive axles. So I, I uh, replaced um, one of the axles. I inspected the axles. And the driver's side axle had play uh, in the inner joint when it, when it goes into the uh, transaxle or transmission. Right. It had some it had some play there, so I replaced that axle with a new axle, not from Nissan, but I guess uh, it, aftermarket. But yeah, Cardone, a, a, I guess, a, a, a reasonable quality replacement. Right. Right. Okay. Um, uh, new, and um, it didn't. And and the play after I put it in and all that, the play is still there. So I I think the the play is actually. Inside the transaxle, I don't know if there's a bearing there that it might be a little loose because it, it on the other side doesn't have that. Right. right. Well, if if one side has it and the other side doesn't, it's it's got to be determined. Is it normal? When you say play, are you talking rotationally, or that the axle moves in and out against the transmission uh, as if you were going to remove it? No, no. It's more like rotate. Meaning, like like if I was to push it up or down a little. Uh, oh, you know, in, okay. uh, in vert- vertical, vertical kind of play, not in and out, but more like vertical, maybe a little longitude and latitude, and up and d- right. up and down and back and forth. So it it sounds like what you're describing, what you might have going on here, Mark, is there's there's a bearing, right? That you know there has to be some kind of way to support that axle, and there's likely a bushing or a support mechanism inside the transfer or the, inside the trans case itself it sounds like you're telling me that something is worn out that it allows lateral up and down and forward and back movement is that what you're describing to me yes yes sir okay if if one side has it and the other side doesn't we've you know is that you know I, and i can't say i'm gonna i'm not gonna sit here and tell you hey mark i remember this off the top of my head that sounds okay to me. I don't know that it does, but I've got to have a. I've got to tell you, a, a trans person or you know, a shop has to look at this to determine it. Uh, you know, okay. it's, it's you know, to what degree and, and how much play is there? Two thousands? I'm not worried about it. A quarter of an inch? I'm worried. All right. Right. Is is the axle seal leaking on that side? No, it's not. Okay. Then you know, likely if the axle seal's not leaking, then it's probably normal. All right. Okay. And, and I'll say it like that because if once once the, the the latitude or longitudinal support exceeds the limit, now the only thing holding the axle square to the trans, if you follow what I'm saying, is the seal. Yes. The seals don't the seals don't tolerate abuse very long. All right. Right. They're, they're, now the other the the other thing I did, which so after I replaced the axle the, that size axle, it. It still do it still did the same thing. Okay. The, the car, but then 
I, you also mentioned mounts, right? So I had replaced some, uh, there's four mounts, obviously, uh, or not obviously, but, um, but the transmission mount, I didn't, re I hadn't replaced yet at the time because it, it was kind of like under the tr battery tray and under a bunch of stuff. So right. I, I haven't gotten to it. Right. So I did replace that, uh, since, since we last, last call and, um, and that improved improved the, so it, the vibration was no longer as much it was okay. it was better but it, it has it has gotten kind of increasingly little by little kind of tries it, it's coming back so then that's why i'm going back to the the bearing could have actually be the bearing but the, the mount was helping it so i'm i'm, I'm a, a little bit of a, of a loss okay but the main thing is am i safe with that bearing you know, is it can can something catastrophically go wrong if that bearing kind of inside there goes really bad or something? Hard to answer. Somebody's got to somebody's got to look at it. Like I said, okay. I don't I don't think you are because the axle seal's not leaking. It's not okay. taking up. It's not taking up. Uh, um, you know, slop. Uh, it's 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 not holding it up. So um, I'll tell you what. Sit by the. G give me one second. Uh, Mark, let me pull over, take a pause. I want to come back and address this. I just don't want to rush it off. Sit right where you are. I'm running in the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Running in the car, Doctor. Mark, you're still there, babe. Yes, I am. Okay, so let's let's just cover the bases, all right? Did it change? Did the vibration change any way, shape, or form after the axle replacement only? No. Okay. And the axle you put in was a new aftermarket axle. Yes. All right. Chances. The only are, thing. Go ahead. It didn't. It didn't have. You know how some uh, the Nissan axles have like a damper, like in between the two joints. Right. But this one didn't come with it. I think I don't think any aftermarket really comes with it. Right, that rubber oh. damper is there for pulsation and vibration. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I figured, but I, I don't. So right, but, I, 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 I can only buy. I guess I could buy one from Nissan and put yeah. it on the on this new axle uh, or yeah, buy a new axle from right, Nissan. And, right, and you could, you could, and you know, you, 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 when you see the price of the Nissan axle, you're going to wonder: is this vibration really worth it? But I just want to point that out. So that's right. that's part of this. Refresh my memory. You're doing 55 miles an hour going down the road. The seat's vibrating. You pop this into neutral, and the vibration goes away. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I, I let off of the I let off of the uh, of the of the brake um, not brake I let off of the accelerator pedal and it goes away. It's it's under load. All right, it's it's, it's, it's only under load, and it happens at fifty five. Okay, it happens around fifty miles per hour, and between forty five and fifty five, it, it it happens there, and then after fifty five, it goes away. But now, Ron, I found, I, you know, you always tell the customers saying they need to tell you the whole story. Right. Now, there is also a vibration around 65. There they was not there before. Before the axle? Yes. And so um, it's, there is also a 65. And now that vibration is not on the seat itself. They say, I don't feel it on the seat. But it, it's more like... In the whole kind of like, not front end or but the whole 
right. kind of cabin. It, it, it's more like in the area, not necessarily only on the seat. Steering wheel, dashboard, or in, uh, do you feel dashboard. it? Dashboard. Dashboard. Dashboard, but, but not, not steering wheel. Okay. Not, it's never been steering wheel. How are the tires on this car, Mark? The, the tires were replaced. They were balanced. They were rotated in different places. They've been driven. It's not tired. That that was ruled out. And you've that you've you've moved you've moved the tires around with no change. Yes. Okay. Yes, so sir. so we'll eliminate tires. Although I never I never believe anything is out of the realm until I actually see the car fixed. So we're down right. to we're down to it's it's likely either mounts or axles. All right. Right. What what I'd like to see is. You know, and usually it's the driver's side axle. Usually it's the left axle that causes all the grief on these cars. All right. Uh, I'd like to see. I'd be curious if you took that old axle. Do you still have the old axle? Yes, I do. Take it apart. Take it apart and look at the inner joint. Look at the inner plunge joint. It's going to be a, a, a three-ball or, or tripod-style inner joint, or it should be. All right. Look at the receiver cup that the, that the balls sat in. Is it notched and worn? If you can take your finger and run it down inside the tulip, as we call it, uh, the, the, the three-prong receiver, and it's a sharp drop, like there's a, you know, it feels like a clamshell on the inside, then that, okay. joint, that joint was bad. And I'm just questioning whether or not you got a good quality replacement. And I'm wondering All if right. that's what's holding this up. So um, try that. Call me okay. back next week. Let me know what happens. I'm running out of time. I appreciate it, Mark. You hang in there. And we'll figure it out. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. Harry in New York, 57 Chevy Bel Air, if I'm reading that right. What's going on, Harry? Yes. Well, I got a, a 283 in the car, and it keeps overheating. But only at an idle. Okay, is this... I've done everything. I changed the radiator, distributor, put a new thermostats in it. I just can't. Or only at an idle. If I stop, can I like in a parade? Five minutes later, ten minutes later, she starts to climb, and she keeps climbing. All right. Are you? Are and I don't you know what else to do. Stock engine, Harry. Yeah. The original two eighty three. I put an aluminum radiator in it, right. thinking that would help. Well, I put a six blade fan in it. No, no help. All right, your your definition of overheating. Where does the temperature actually go? It keeps going. I got it up to about two ten, and I shut it down. Okay. I worry that it just keeps on going. All right. I put a one. I, I put a one eighty thermostat. Uh, one sixty. Uh, even the one ninety seven. It does the same. Nah. And I I never tried it without the thermostat. Now what one so one one eighty is probably where you want to be. This is a stock two eighty three. This isn't a hypo two eighty three. There's no modifications to this, right? This is the original now, engine. It's been rebuilt. It's been rebuilt about ten years ago. Okay. And, and I just bought the car about three four years ago, and I just realized this problem. All right. So you know the the simple obvious one to me is how do you know the water pump's any good? It's not brand new, brand, but that doesn't mean it's good. Right, I, brand I new. I replaced it. Brand new when? Oh, about a year. Okay, and you had the problem when, before when you replaced I started it. Started noticing this problem. Well, okay, back up. And a I minute. never noticed the problem until I was in a parade and stop and go real slow. Okay, did the problem did, did the problem happen prior to the water pump replacement, Harry? Yes, it did. Okay, so let's assume it's not that. I'd be curious if you could find out. Was the block board? Did they bore it too far? 
if they did this at 283 and they boarded 60,000, the water jackets were so thin on those on the original blocks, it may be overheating as a result of that. See if you can find that out. Call me back next week. We can talk about it further. We're just running out of time. I'm Ron Anany, the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.